Welcome to RSN's Racing Pulse. But Skirt the Wall is in front and Skirt the Wall is all too good. Skirt the Wall is one by length and a half second. Challenge by Lofty Strike out wide too. Lofty Strike over the top. What a good return. Lofty Strike has won it. They're followed then by Mawunga. Fangirl rattling home but Animo launches his autumn assault in great style. Rocket Horse. Rocket Horse has won it. Alligator Blood holding on. The Alligator win. Saki holding on. Saki back to back. Next three hours, the breaking racing news, the stories, opinion, the mail, and the people who make racing happen. Here's Michael Felgate. Good morning and welcome to Racing Pulse on this Monday, the 20th of February. It is great to have your company once again after another stunning weekend of racing. Group 1 action at headquarters, the Black Caviar Lightning Stakes. And while most punters were a little bit surprised and maybe a little bit upset nature strip got rolled uh, the winner cool and gatter the first filly to win at the lightning in 19 years may well now be trying to follow in nature strips footsteps and head over to royal ascot and have we seen the star of the future the runner-up performance of i wish i win who is now fighting out favoritism for the new market it was a great day at headquarters bubbles burst in sydney as well aft cabin what do you make of the ride what do you make of the run in the hobartville osipenko mick sharky's very happy it was back in the winners list and did we see any two-year-olds that may be able to help us towards a blue diamond or golden slipper winner as well plenty to discuss this morning we're going to have a chat to Ozzy Keir, the part owner of Cool and Gatter, who's had a bit of a roller coaster ride on and off the track over the last couple of weeks, and also Blake Shin, who was very, very impressed with the win of Elliptical. Is he the Guineas contender that can maybe knock off Jack and O? As I say, good morning to Matty Stewart and Mick Sharkey. Morning, boys. Morning, How are you? Michael, morning, boys. Matthews. Who'd have thought? These are these are the champion running animals in Australia right now. Whale she's fast. Running animals. Rolled on the weekend. Captain yes. Ravishing, dollar fifteen. Nature strip goes down. Half cabin goes down. Sorry, did Captain uh, Ravo got rolled at Menangle at a dollar fifteen? <laughs> well, she's fast. The greatest ground of all time got rolled. Nature strip, the greatest sprinter since Black Caviar got rolled. Half cabin, and there were others as well. So, just goes to show that there is no such thing as certainty in this sport. That. Yeah. We're involved in. I heard a statistic earlier on that Nature Strip has been favourite 36 times or something like that and has been beaten 16 times. But in the harness racing world, do short, short, short price favourites win or lose more often than not? Well, there doesn't seem to be much of a reaction. Like, oh, you know, you know how we always talk about the day Ajax got rolled at a dollar forty. I, I see greyhounds and 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 paces get rolled at a dollar twenty. Yeah, like they yeah. they'll gallop out. Oh, the favourites missed. They the seem to get yeah, beaten yeah, but, at that price. But they probably have a higher winning strike rate as well. Okay. So, but um, it's just an amazing phenomenon over the weekend where the the ones regarded as the greatest or the flashest or the the next big thing every one of them got rolled over the weekend oh, i think of all of them nature strip was the one that most people thought was um the most vulnerable and i just had this gut feel. I, I was hoping he would win on saturday because i love to see the superstars do it but i had this gut feeling that he was not going to be able to perform up to his best on saturday because um First up, 1,000 metres down the straight. He would normally, at his best, he would win that and win that reasonably well. But he was gone 
a little bit similar to the champion stakes run on final day where he gusted out to the end. He was the first one almost in trouble on Saturday. You know what? We Dad, I took Dad to the races Saturday and we walked in. The first person we saw on the racetrack was Rod Lyons, who's a old mate of Dad's from Springvale Footy Club days. And we started talking about the champ and... I think Dad said, How, how's he going to go today? And Rod's opening stanza was, you know what? If he never wins another race, it doesn't matter. Mm. It wasn't, oh, he's airborne, mate, mm. and whatever. And I think he, he, he sort of backed it up with, oh, Chris is really happy with the horse and thinks he's going well, but almost started to move mm. the conversation towards, well, he's done it. He's done everything we could have ever dreamed of, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, which is probably not what you expect to hear from... He's won twenty the million. Owner, I wouldn't. He's the, won the twenty million. Well, the, the, but I'm saying in the yeah. context of that race day ahead, if you're going to the races with the champion, the world's best sprinter, you're not starting off thinking, "Well, if he never wins another race again, yeah, well, it doesn't really matter to us." So let, let's talk I think more we're reading the tea leaves a little bit a there and seeing that he he's probably nearer nearer the end than the the peak. Let's talk about the winner because Cool and Gatta, she may be the next to represent Australia overseas and. Uh, she's been spruiked since her very first barrier trial, and now she's got two Group 1s next to her name, the Magic Millions, and gee, she's a very, very valuable filly. 450 metres to go. Nature Strip drives up on the inside to match Marabi. They're a length and a half September run. Cool and Gatter. Then came Bella Nipatina and further back in the field, Mullane. It's Nature Strip trying to kick. Cool and Gatter's getting close and September run back on the inside at the 150. September run drives through and Cool and Gatter then Bella Nipatina. Cool and Gatter in the centre lifts. Cool and Gatter in front of Bella Nipatina. I wish I win late. Cool and Gatter announces herself and wins it from I wish I win Bella Nipatina. September run. Then she takes her prize money to in excess of $3 million. Another group one from just eight starts, five wins. She's only missed a place on one occasion. And it was the famous Aussie Keir Colours once again. Another group one victory for Jamie Carr and another group one for Aussie and his crew who joins us this morning. Aussie, congratulations. <laughs> what a thrill and what a filly she is. Thanks, Michael. Yeah, it was an amazing... Um Amazing minute for racing for us. So yeah, thrill it was very, very much a great thrill. <laughs> Jamie Carp, Aussie, said afterwards that she she kind of expected the limitations of Coolangatta to have been met uh, during her two year old and early three year old season. That she'd probably, you know, sort of peaked on her career at an early maturing sort of horse. But she was amazed at uh, the extra string to the bow that Coolangatta has been able to find this campaign. Yeah, look, we we were sort of. A little bit different on that because we, we sort of knew how immature she was as a two-year-old. Um, and Karen had always said to us, and Davis rather, had always said that she's got so much more improvement. She hasn't fully developed yet and she was just a, she was very light and she needed to put on conditions. So we always sort of thought there was improvement in her, in her physical nature. Um, we, knew, we know she's got a tank. We know she just tries her heart off. So um, we were hopeful that um, there was improvement and... All along the way, the stables had always been very um, encouraging on how good she was going and um, how much she'd improved. So we were, we were going in there thinking she'd run really well, but I don't think we were thinking we would win. Um, we were hoping we'd win, but the reality is we, we didn't think we would win. Um, we even questioned the stable at some stage. You know, the ownership said, why are we going to this race? We can't beat nature scripts. So, um, you know, that proved wrong, and um, that's why we're not the trainers, and we just do as we're told. So they were right, and I'm glad, I'm glad they went there. Morning, Oz. Shark here. 
unusual for one of your horses to go under the radar going into a group one, but that's kind of what Cool and Gadda was doing going into the Lightning. And she was six fifty out to $9 on the day, so it wasn't as if there was a groundswell of support around for her either. Looking at her record now, this, her second group one at 1,000 metres, do you think she's a specialist in that range or in weight for age company, are, are Kieran and David confident that she'll be able to extend that brilliance out to 1,200 metres? be nice if more of our horses um, did drift in the market, but you're right. Like, I know you like a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> but um, no, look, we don't know. Um, we don't really know um, whether she is. We, 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 I, we do know she's a thousand. She, she's very good at a thousand metres. She, she jumps really well, um, each one of our starts. And I think yesterday or Saturday was the first time, like, I was really happy to see her just settle. Um, in the run, and, Jay, and Jamie didn't ask much of an effort until about 100 or 150 out, and she really let down and had a good turn of foot. Where her previous runs, she was sort of burning the candle on both ends. She was sort of jumping, doing a lot of work early, and sort of hanging on. So it was just good to see that. Look, I don't know. The question is, I don't think anyone knows um, whether 1200, um, whether she'd, she'd be as effective over 1200 or not. Um, well, especially down the straight, I've questioned that. Um, but we've got a very fast filly at a thousand. She's won the only two Group Ones you can win. Um, I think in Australia over a thousand. Um, so right now we'll just plan and um, and hope and wish that you know that we can make an overseas trip um, for the group and see how we go. So that's that's now one hundred percent the goal because pretty much anyone who wins a Lightning, I think there's been about six winners of the Lightning have gone on to to win at Royal Ascot. You you get invited. So that's the the path you'll tread. Yes, I got an email this morning um, from Nick, who, who sort of heads off, uh, who heads um, Royal Ascot out there, who who's invited us, and um, we'll, we'll have a discussion with the ownership group. But I know Dave's super keen. I don't even think she she just crossed the line, and Dave was calling me. Uh, There's all that plan that we've got. But I think we should go. We should go. So I think it's a life. It's a childhood dream for Dave um, to sort of go there and and run in that race. So um, and I, I think the owners. Yeah, we had a lunch yesterday. And that was the talking point. And, yeah, look, at this stage, um, all going well. You know, there's a lot of water going to the bridge between now and then, but at this stage, all going well. well. We'll sort of work a plan towards that race. Now, you weren't there on the weekend, Aussie, because uh, you've had a few health issues yourself. And, and from what I, I've heard, it, it was quite scary. Can you explain what happened? Uh, yeah. Look, I just had a bit of a setback. Um and I had to go in. I, I had a surgery um, booked, and uh, things didn't go that well. Um, and I had to sort of go back in a couple of hours later um, into emergency. And um, luckily, I've got had a very good surgeon um, who was able to do the trick. And yeah, it wasn't it wasn't pleasant for a little bit of time. Um, but yeah, I'm sort of recovering now. I'm definitely not going at the same speed as Cool and Gutter when started. <laughs> well, good to hear you're on the the road to recovery and. And if you do end up at Royal Ascot, is there a chance you might have a couple of runners over there? Because we, we got to see Light Infantry out here who ran really well in that Golden Eagle. Is Light Infantry a horse that'll be set for a, a race over Royal Ascot as well? Yeah, for sure. That's always been a sort of plan with him. Um, he'd come, he'd, he'd travelled to Australia to run in the um, Golden Eagle and was very unlucky in that race that had never got out. And we planned to run, I think it was the Jubilee, uh, um, over a mile, um, 
at Royal Ascot, and yeah, and it'd be good to have Cool and Gutter there. So to have a couple of runners on that main day would be amazing for everyone involved. And yeah, so we'll see how we go. Like I said, it's still I've, I've been here before where I've had three favourites for a Melbourne Cup, and none of them get there. So <laughs> I've I've been here before, and I'm just you know we'll just go through the motions and see how we go. Oh, speaking of Melbourne Cup horses or horses that are being touted as Melbourne Cup horses, Solcom is definitely one of those after we saw him in the spring. First up run in Sydney, what did you make of it? And what are the team in New South Wales telling you of his progress? Yeah, look, I think there was just expectations that, you know, our horses sort of, you know, a true stayer um, was going to be sharper. Um, first up over a mile, only been in the country for, you know, two months. Um, I think, Shark, you might have even said the same thing um, previously. But, look, I think if you look at his record, um, and it's, it's, in hindsight, we also always look at his those records after he's had a run. I don't think he's ever... I think he's been beaten something like 20 or 30 lengths in races under 2,400 metres, mm. and he's never been, never been beaten um, in a race over 2,400 metres. So um, it must say something. And Look, we're still optimistic um, that he'll come back and he'll he'll be, you know our horse for the spring. Um, so we'll give him... He'll have one more run over 2,000 metres. I think it's called the Randwick Stakes, which is about three weeks' time, or two weeks' two weeks time. Um, and from there, we'll sort of... We'll go towards the Tankwood, which will sort of be up to his sort of winning distance. And um, and then we'll see how he goes. But look, they come from overseas. They're very fit. They come here first up. Um, they're a little bit fresher, and they can, they can sort of run out of their skin. But when they get here... Um, it just takes, sometimes it just takes a prep or two to get them back to their best. So we'll hopefully, you know, if, if he doesn't come to his best in, a, in this prep, that's fine. We'll just wait and we'll wait for the spring. But so we'll find out. is the Sydney Cup on the agenda this time around or would you pull stumps at the Tancred? I think we'll pull stumps at the Tancred, but we'll wait and see um, what happens from his next one. So we just sort of, we, with him, we really don't know where we're at with him, um, and it's only, we're only just learning. Um, like literally, we only had one, one, or actually, second one off the plane. I wouldn't really count. But we've only had one sort of run, and Chris hasn't had enough time with the horse to sort of really understand, you know, what, what's his best distance and what he needs to do. But um, so far, he's happy. He, he's lost no faith in the horse, and so Chris hasn't lost any faith in the horse, and obviously, we won't. Could be a big week, uh, Oz. You've also got VC going around in the Blue Diamond, who's um, probably flown under the radar a little bit as well. So um, hopefully we'll see you at the track on Saturday. And, uh, and an, an eagle-eyed listener has just said, can you please ask Mr. Keir about a first starter today at Warrnambool, Umenti in race four? Uh, yes, Umenti. Uh, very slow to get to the track. Um, it's slow-maturing type Japanese. Um, bred as they normally are. They don't, you don't always see it to their three-year-olds. Look, I I couldn't go out and declare it. I don't know what it's paying, um, but yeah, I think I think it's another horse that will need um, need some racing under its belt before. Oh. Um, but I, I have got one which is Green Gloss, which I really like, and that yes. race last Thursday um, at Packham and won one of those heats there, and I think that's one to look out for for the future. Um, you know, as he's learning his caper. Perfect. And just one last one. Where does Muramasa go next? I thought he hit the line really well on Saturday. Yeah, he was very good. Um, he'll go to the Australian Guineas, even though I think the Australian Guineas might still be um, too short for him. Uh, but that'll be so he'll go through the Australian Guineas on his way then 
to the Rose Hill Guineas and then ultimately um, to the Derby. So that would be his path. Good on you, Ozzy. Well done on the weekend. Thanks, guys. How do you think should go, Royal Ascot, the, the steep last couple of hundred metres? Uh... Not sure. Probably want to see more of her this time around, particularly at 1,200. I, I just thought she was exposed. The, the, the couple of times we saw her at Wait for Age as, during a, her spring three-year-old preparation, Maddie, she looked like she was up on speed, lead, go, 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 1,000 metres, and that's that was her. Uh, she took a sit Saturday, was very comfortable not leading and not ripping along, and we saw the... The finish, you know, she quickened up really well that last hundred. So, I wasn't expecting that. I am not going to sit here and say yes, no, Royal Ascot at this point. If if she has more improvement to come, say at twelve hundred meters, if she's able to take a sit and finish off, well, her stock's obviously sore. You'd only run her in the thousand over there. You wouldn't I, run her I, in the no, no. I think way. it'd be the thousand for sure. But still, that thousand is a testing thousand. Yeah. So I, she probably needs to go to a, say, a new market or a TJ or something and run yeah. really, really well. Run top three, show that ability to, to take a little balance to up hang and finish in there off. over 1,200. Yeah. Oh, look, I think the plus is Ma Eustace. They just know. They just get it. Mm-hmm. Um, I think she'd be lo- the lower end of CVs for the, the, the horses we've sent over there, like your Takeover Target, Miss Andretti, Black Caviar, even Scenic Blast was an, a lightning new market winner. Um, it's funny saying that though. She's a Magic Millions Classic winner. She's a Moya Stakes winner. Now she's a she's Lightning won, Stakes. She's winner. only missed a place once in her life. Yeah, yeah. I, I, she's she's a she's not a. We, we wouldn't be sending a champion over there, and all the other ones are pretty much champions. So she's a very very good filly. But whether mm. that's good enough to win at Royal Ascot, well, I don't think we've ever won over there with anything less than close to a champion. Mm, so yeah. yeah. Uh, it was hard to miss the runner-up, though. I wish I win. And you just get this sense every time you speak to Luke Nolan. He, I had him on a week or two ago, and he just basically didn't want to say it, but he just came out and said, yeah, I think it's the best I've ridden since Black Caviar. And then post-race, he said, oh, I've only ridden one that can let down like this before. Mm. And I don't know what the splits were, Sharky, but if you have a look at I Wish I Win's turn of foot from about the... The 400 to the 200, it was just electric. And I'll tell you what they were in a moment. Uh, I don't know how they beat it. If it draws a barrier, that well, gives it a clear run It's a new market. in the new market. It's a new market. It's Traffic's, not. it's only dangerous. So between the four and the two, he ran 10.26, which is very, very slick. And then he was home 10.91 the last bit. His last 400 was 21.17. So, and his last six was 31.64. They were running time. At Flemington on the weekend, but yeah, it was a super win, uh, super run. Sorry, super run, and it proves that he's able to bring his brilliance to a short course, and he's able to handle the straight, which are two big ticks. The hidden good run in the race from a new market perspective, I've not heard one person talk about this horse. Buenos Notches, when they went, the thousand was way too sharp for him. He was a little bit sort of ring rusty. You could see when they started to quicken up around him, but his last hundred meters, he was rapidly getting onto the heels of those first four. No, he was a good run. He but he won't be- beat home, I wish I win it. What's, what's the weight what? difference? If they're running in a straight big, line, it's a new market. What's the weight difference you're going to be between everywhere? Based on that he gave him Winburn on Saturday. What will- it's not that's that race. You, they don't race in straight lines. A new market can be a chaotic race. Yeah, I, I, saw, I if given Bad, I wish bad I win, luck's the main danger to well, all I wish I win has to get back and run on. 
He, I don't think he's got the speed well, to take a position. Isn't, isn't a sit sprint horse. He's a get back run on horse down the straight. As yeah, well. but what I'm saying with this horse, I don't think I wish I win has any tactical speed to be able to take a position other than being right back. He's going to have to come from virtually last in a new market. It's it's going to be some sort of task. If it, look, it'll be completely thrilling to watch. I'm not saying he can't win the race, but this groundswell off one good run, saying, "Oh, give him the new market." Gee whiz! Well, it's more than one good run. What's the um, weight turnaround from weight phrase to handicap? Uh, Buenos Noches v. I wish I win. Yeah, I'm not sure. Don't know what that would so be. He's 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 Achilles' heel is his racing style. Yeah. So it's it sets up. It's going to be a super exciting mm. new market. And I hope if in if secret, if goes in secret there, if can in win secret the, the, the surround on Saturday, it's going to be it's going to be some sort of new. I market. think Gatta, they'll probably go William Reed, won't they? Uh, well, they may. Who knows? She just she just won a lightning. It's usually the best form line, isn't it, for for a new market? And she'd be low in the weights Ooh. and proven down the. Straight what are your now. thoughts, Matty? Um, Some sort of race. I, 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 I'm always thinking that the, the the flash home get back run on horses are always vulnerable. So Chitaka was vulnerable. He lost as much as he won, and he was a better horse than I wish I win. So that's the little problem. But as you say, if he draws eleven and gets a clear crack at him, and it's an uninterrupted four hundred meter gallop, then then yep. Buenos Noches was good as well. Baller was good after missing yeah. the start. Just back to Nature Strip. It was funny. The, there was a, a sub-editor's, you know, the bubble burst on Nature Strip. I thought, wow, okay, 20 million in the bank and he's been in a bubble. So, you know, uh, I just think just rounding off on Nature Strip, I think I'll, I'd back Waller in. If we see him reappear, yeah. you know. Well, let's hear what Waller had to say post-race about Nature Strip. 5 to 10% off is best. It's like there's nothing to hide. Uh, which is a shame because he's had a good preparation. Um, James said he felt the track, and I think the track's perfect. Yeah. So um, he felt the, the, the ground. Uh, maybe he's looking for a little bit more rain. Uh, but that's a very that's a, that's the only thing we could say at the stage. Obviously, we'll do tests to make sure everything's right internally. Uh, trot him up tomorrow, beach session, mon- uh, Sunday and Monday, and see what light comes of it. Um, so I, I don't think it's anything major, but I doubt you'd see him run over a thousand metres in in the autumn. I'd say you'd go straight to twelve hundred, but only if he's one hundred percent. The most important thing, he's pulled up well, um, and we had a great run with him. And let's hope there's another couple of runs left. So I've texted Rod Lyons this morning, the senior part owner. He said, "Yep, he seems to have pulled up well, but there's going to be more checks this week." So, but if Nature Strip goes to Sydney, gets a dead track, um, wait for age twelve hundred metres. You know he's going to be in the mix. There's no, you wouldn't say that he, he he can't win again. But it's just as we were talking about a few weeks ago, it just gets harder and harder as yeah. you get to that pointy end of your your career. So amazing horse. And look, that if he was a colt, he would have been retired long ago. We all sort of decry these owners rushing colts off to stud at the drop of a hat. We've got an eight-year-old champion gelding that we've got to enjoy for many seasons. I think you have to celebrate that rather than wanting to stick the sword in him and say, oh, his bubble's burst, he's gone. I don't get why, Maddie, and whether you've thought much about this, Australians or Australian racing fans, punters, whatever you like, seem to delight in chopping a champion off at the knees when they start to flag or waver. It's like, ah, oh, well, he's, he's only ever been something like that. And that, that, that was, I was, I was hearing people saying that on the track on Saturday. I'm like, well, what's the... 
what's the joy in in this perverse sort of fall of a champion that that people seem to delight in? Don't we want to see him land one more punch? Yeah, I think the same people are saying that probably want to see him land. I I actually don't mind that type of discussion because it's what it's engaging it means they're interested you know whether you've got a villain or a hero and i remember i upset a big owner a few months ago by calling a horse a money muncher but i think if it's if it's good bar (laughs) chat then it's and i think people will i I don't mind that sort of free speech element to it but i I, I also yeah i I kind of i also don't think people are degrading nature strip as a horse but when you are the best when you have been the best and it doesn't matter whether it's a boxer, a football team, a racehorse, or a, or a champion cricketer. When you start to, um, you know, age and show that you're not the best anymore, the conversation's got to be there. It's not. It's just a run too. Like I think everyone post Winks and Black Caviar, they, they sort of set terms and conditions badly for the next well, champions. Yeah, like, in, it's insane. Like, well, you know. Every champion that appeared before those two was a nature strip type champion. Yeah. Like you think of the Elvstrom. Elvstrom would run shockers on hot days and stuff sometimes, and Maccabi Diva would jar up in Japan or something would happen. So octagonal had about had more duck eggs than Greg Chappell. That's you know? why we go. That's why we're going, isn't it? To, hmm. to see if they do it on that day, yeah. and to see if they don't do it, well, who's going to put their hand up oh. and who's going to be the next horse? And I, I actually thought... prefer vulnerable champions because I like them coming back. The unknown. Aspects. I, I, yeah. I, I actually sort of now thinking, well, okay, because I was against heavily against Nature Strip and not sure he can win another Group One, but now I'm going to be uh, cheering hard for him to do yeah. it. So it'd be huge if he could win uh, another one up in so Sydney. Where, where will hey, they go? Gonna, just straight to Sydney now. We're going to take a break. Yep. Yeah, they go to Sydney now. We'll take a break. SMS us. Tell us what you think about Nature Strip. Uh, can he win another Group One, or is the champ done as far as Group Ones are concerned? Zero four one six ninety fifty fifty two. We'll break into the news. Plenty more to come on Racing Pulse after this. It's the verdict with Matty Stewart and Mick Sharkey. We want your say as well. Anytime you want, you can SMS us zero four one six ninety fifty fifty two. We put the question out on Twitter about Nature Strip. How many more starts will remain for the big boy Nature Strip in his career? Uh, we've only put it out there a little while ago. Zero starts, 25%. One more start, 39%. Two more starts, 22%. Three plus 14%, which is the least favoured of them at this stage. That's a Twitter poll. We'll give you a, a more realistic update in about an hour and a half's time. SMS is coming through on Nature Strip. Nature Strip smashed them at Ascot on the 22nd of June. Four runs since won a group. Two, fourth in the Everest, beaten the length. Second in the VRC Classic, beaten ahead. Uh, then Saturday's failure, very quick. Even disrespectful to write a champion off. That's Rod from Strathmore. I don't I, like I seeing champions go mm. one more run when it looks like they've given their all and people putting the boots in when they're basking in his glory of Ascot eight months ago. Horses don't know when they're being slagged off. <laughs> but the other thing is, right, it, it shows you, you that trip. Well, yeah, but you know what I mean. You know, I think they're fair game in a sense. Kevin Tucker kicked you once, didn't he? No, I pulled <laughs> his tongue. I pulled his um, tongue. I, I, it just goes to show how taxing that trip to Ascot can be. You know, yep. you go over there, you perform, runs a career best, arguably on that world stage, then has to come back and go again. It does take it out of them. Well, look at Black Caviar. The toll of competing on the day played out for her where she ran the... 
you know, the least impressive gallop of her life. So yeah. there's a few more SMSs. I'm not an HS Strip groupie, but he's a fantastic horse. I'd never be happy to knock a horse like that on one run. According to most after the race, he's now a former champion, which is ridiculous. Yeah. Uh, I think being an older horse, Nature Strip needs that run under his belt like normal people. When he get older, the reaction times get slower. If he had a first up run before the Lightning, it would have been a different story. Just on the, the excuse touted as well, the track was absolutely perfect as we know, but some tracks are too firm for some horses. I know mm. Bankmore, for instance, John McNeil felt that he didn't stretch out on the track. Well, he was way. the well-backed favourite in the, the CSAs. So um, the track was perfect, but not perfect for all. Yep. And maybe Nature Strip at this stage of his life, it's a if he does get onto a soft five at Randwick or Rose Hill or whatever whatever comes up next, that might be a, a little trigger for yeah. him to improve. Uh, when Hawthorne won the three, people couldn't wait for them to start losing instead of appreciating the greatest team in the modern era. Sharky, you're right, Aussies do it in every sport. When champs get old, enjoy them as much as possible. We did it with Ablett, uh, with Buddy. Uh, let's enjoy watching him as long as we can. That's from Tommy. So, why do we do that? Yeah, but every but people were having a go at Ablett and Buddy as well. I, look, I I know it's offensive to some. I don't mind it with horses because they you cannot offend a horse. Trust me. Try it and see if you can offend a horse. You've tried it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but and I understand that owners get upset and all that sort of stuff. But I think it's part owners of the game. I think it's part of the. Why are we interested? Because we've got villains and heroes and things like that. If we mm. if we wanted to sing the praises of everything all the time, I'd get bored very quickly. There's a few SMSs on new market contenders. If Imperatriz comes over, he'll beat I Wish I Win. Uh, that's from John. Wow. She's a very, very interesting horse. What is happening with her? Because she is She's the coming. other piece. Coming. She's the other piece of the puzzle for the new market because her rating figure from Daniel O'Sullivan for winning the, the big race recently was higher than Adamo's rating figure. So. And who's to say Rock and Horse wouldn't have actually won the Lightning well, if she had right. run on Saturday? That's right. And look at, somebody's just made a good point of you saying, look at the three of the first four over the line. September run, Bella Nipotina, Cool and Gatter, Phillies and Mares yep. again. Well, Wolf yeah. range level, and dominating. September run. Well, she's run an yeah. enormous race. Yeah. But how good that a historic signature race is going to be one of the races of the... It was only a, a season or two that you were talking that this race has fallen through the cracks, the the new market. It needs to be re-energised. There's a bit more prize money, but it looks like this year could be one of the, the stellar editions. And is that, the, is that the way it, should, it is now going forward? If you look at the emergence of the Everest, the Everest is the premier springtime sprint. Well, the new market surely is the premier... Summer and autumn, spring. Well, and look at them in tandem. They've always, the Lightning and the New Market have always worked because they're different enough to have different focus, but they're similar enough where you can get a bit of crossover. So, because the Lightning was a fantastic race, it was do or die for Nature Strip. We all knew that. There was this gang of horses coming up underneath, and then the Royal Ascot talk coming out of it. And then you move across to the New Market, you throw Imperatras in. I wish I win because of the Lightning is now mm. the big talking point for the. For the new market, so... Well, let's not forget the Oakley Plain on Saturday. There could well be more um, new market contenders coming through there. We get to see Lofty Strike on Saturday as well. Yep. Uh, we get to see Asfura, who's first yep. up again. So, yeah, I don't We've know. Got Star I love handicap sprints. There's, I, just, there's I a, just love it. Well, there, and there's cr a, they're crazy. There's a very, very good gang of next waves coming. If we think that the Eduardo Nature Strip era is coming to an end, you look 
sideways and you see yes, Fura, Lofty Strike, I Wish I Win, Imperatriz, Buenos Notches. Buenos Notches. It's a pretty good group coming through, isn't it? Well, if you yeah. have a look at the market in the Oakley Plate, I Am Me is the other Mar Eustace runner who's taken all before it up in Sydney and Jamie Carr rides on Saturday. Chain of Lightning mm. um, didn't have any luck at all last start. Uncommon Drain. They're, the, um, they're the, the top of the B group. They're, and, and, they're the, the next wave below. True, but the handicap gives them the opportunity. Um, mm. It won't be running, but is there a chance that maybe um, they'll run Rock and Horse in the Oakley Plate, or will they keep her now for first up? Well, in she's the, got in to recover market. from whatever it was that affected her scratching. So, mm. well, yeah, she mm. does. But I, I think listening to Mike Moroney on the weekend, he was pretty confident that it was just going to be a a short term issue that she'll be mm. able to get back as um, soon as possible. Um, is I wish I'd been going to the Futurity. No, going to the new market. And I think the long-term play there might be, um, let's get a slot for the Everest. Well, I, if people aren't ringing for that horse now, they're off their heads. Like, just, he'd be the target. He is the, he would mm. be the exciting horse right here, right now. If you're trying to lock something in long-term, Nature Strip, you know, you'd have a slot forever in a day. You've got Giga Kick. You need, who's the next exciting it's an exciting race where they want to grab the market around these horses and look what we've got. Like I would have thought the phone would be ringing off the hook for I wish. Yeah, I, look, to be honest, I don't think the slot, who's got a slot and who doesn't, is relevant to most punters. I think they just want to see a great race. Uh, but it's, it's a small talking point for me because I think the the Everest has become bigger than the slots and whether which billionaire's got a slot doesn't interest me as much. But they lock them in 12 months in advance. Yeah. So if yeah, they're doing it's, that, It's a very big Sydney marketing talking point, but it's a, it's, it doesn't interest people. So uh, hey, Maddie, move didn't, on. Didn't you once <laughs> didn't you once say that Mamul was a mule? <laughs> I think that horse would have been offended. Um, you blokes are talking as if Nature Strip was unbeatable. His record is 42 starts and 22 wins, eight second placings and nine unplaced. I don't think we we're talking as if he's unbeatable. We're no. just saying he's the... Mm. Champion, world's yep. best sprinter. However you want to, however he's, people he's, want to rate him or describe him. Well, it's, he's the second best sprinter of the last thirty years, isn't he? Behind Black Caviar, I, I think mm. I think he's got every right to be sitting second on the podium with his record. Um, other big races on Saturday: the CS Hayes Elliptical raced its way into yeah. Australian Guineas contention. Holy man's at the clock tower, up to Bellow Bow. Maximilius is getting through. Bankmore elliptical, late with Elkington Road. Holy man's grabbed by Maximilius. A hundred to go. Holy man's Maximilius. Elliptical driving at them. Elliptical's coming hard. Elliptical's got up. Elliptical from Holy man's Maximilius in photos. She was a good win first up for a horse heading to the Guineas. It wasn't a great deal between a lot of them, Sharky. Does that give you any concern about the overall form of the CSA stakes, especially when a horse like... I think attrition was unlucky. Um, Look, I think if it's been able... If it was able to get clear galloping room and and pick up, it may well have been the winner itself. A bunch finished, yeah. It's... Obviously, it it gets you a little bit concerned, but we spoke about the race on Friday, and I think I said Elliptical's the best horse in the race for mine, but from the barrier, first up, knowing that he's, you know, better when he gets to a mile and, and... arguably a bit further. Uh, I thought the performance was massive. He was three wide too for most of the run. Like, Let's not underestimate or undersell the performance of Elliptical fresh to go and win that race. Well, he's been ahead of two Group 1 victories in his career. So he's... Very good horse. He's a horse that is 
on the verge and he probably deserves a group one and jockey Blake Shin will be able to tell us even more how good that win was on Saturday because Blake joins us Blake good morning uh, well done on the weekend uh, he was tough wasn't he it was uh, a long sustained run for a horse that was first up well done thanks um, Michael yeah good morning guys um, it was a great win by elliptical yeah he did it the tough way he had no favors but um, just just proved that he's come back well and you know he's he's set up for a, for a great campaign. Blake Mick Sharkey here. Did the win exceed your expectations? Given the barrier draw, where you ended up in say the first two hundred meters of the race, did you did it go through your mind? Oh, this is going to be tough from here to win, or were you always sort of in a position where you were confident you'd be right there? Um, look, it it probably did exceed my expectations when I when I wasn't able to get. Um, cover i was hoping that bank Moore would hold angry skies out in the mm. early stages and then i'd be behind angry skies three wide with cover and if that eventuated i would have been in that perfect spot but when i was left exposed three wide uh, but in saying that i was was always traveling in a in a comfortable rhythm but it is hard to um you know to be covering covering ground no cover first up and win but uh Look, the horse has got a fair bit of class on his side and, you know, that, that just comes through in the end. Blake, I didn't realise you were on Twitter until I saw a little little tay with you and Mitch Friedman yesterday about uh, his comments post-race. Attrition was very unlucky and he was sort of suggesting that uh, he was pl- paying you a, conf- a compliment but he also said you were sort of playing jockeys and suggested that maybe elliptical was a contributor to the interference to attrition and you sort of bounced back with a strong counterpoint. What was the the story there? Well, you'll have to ask him, but um, uh, the way I read it was it appeared I had eyes on attrition the whole race, but uh, which wasn't the case. I was just riding my own race and, um, you know, unfortunately for attrition, he was, he was unlucky, but, uh, you know, I was just riding my race. I'd had no, no, um, didn't have a horse in your sights. No horse in my sights. There's 13 other runners in the race to be, to be worried about instead of worrying about one particular horse. So that's the way I, I took his comments, but, uh, you know, he was unlucky. Um, but you know, it's a horse race thing. Things happen. Absolutely. Yeah. Blake, uh, the track was fantastic. It was a, a warm week. It's summer. Um, it was a good three by the time the, the business end of it rolled on. But a, a couple of horses, Bankmore, suggestion that maybe the track was a bit firm for him. Uh, Nature Strip, James McDonald said a bit firm for him. Was it a, a good surface, but not necessarily one that would have suited all horses? Just throughout the day with your mounts, did you find one or two maybe would have preferred a bit more cutout? Oh, look, possibly, but um, yeah. Look, it's it is it, the tracks are hardening up. It hardening up. Like Friday night, I felt that as well. Um, the tracks are riding possibly good two to good three. Um, we're getting thirty eight or mid thirty degree days, and um, yes, they're putting water on them, but they are drying out a touch. So. Horses that are feeling their, their legs, joints, or knees, um, they will have, they will be feeling the effects of these harder tracks. So, um, I suppose each horse is different, but 
any horse that has got little niggling injuries will be will be feeling these hard hard tracks at the moment. Just on elliptical, Blake, you've seen Jackano. Um, you've seen a lot of the other horses who are going to be heading towards the Australian Guineas. Are you confident your boy um, can get his Group One in the Guineas and beat a horse like Jackano over the mile? Look, I'm confident the horse will measure up. Um, you know, Jackano is obviously the benchmark. You know, he beat Golden Mile in the Golden Rose. Um, Ellipticals ran second behind Golden uh, Golden Mile in the Guineas. Um, you know, I'm confident it's going to be a good, a great horse race. I don't. I feel there's not going to be much between them. Reading between that form line, uh, 1600. Um, Jackano. I think he hasn't been at that distance where my guy has and ran very well. So I think, uh, look, I think it's going to be a very competitive race. I don't feel it's a race in, in two. I think it's a wide open race and, um, you know, luck's going to play a part. But, uh, yeah, I'm very happy to be riding my horse in this race. Like the, uh, the Lightning September run, were you, I think, I think most people were surprised at how early in the race Nature Strip seemed to be looking vulnerable and you were able to quickly poke up on his inside and make an inside run. Just take us through the, the September run performance. Yeah, look, she went great. Um, absolutely give me a great ride throughout the run. I was following Nature Strip and as you touched on that, it was, you know, I could sense as far out as probably the 500 that... Um, Nature Strip just wasn't going as well as I would have liked because he just wasn't putting a margin on Marabri and I was I was actually looking for an out at that point and in the run up the inside opened up which I I, I took but um, you know my girl give a, a great account of herself I think she'll improve off that run um, yeah she she appears to be getting somewhat near near her her best form and yeah certainly getting close to a back to a group one win Blake what about the last race uh, it would have been a, a great thrill to, to get to Jumbuck home again at Flemington and uh, for Brian McGrath particularly with his dad Jim being on course to, to celebrate that win it's a horse that, that Brian's taken a lot of time and had a lot of faith in and I know he's only winning benchmark races but you can see the smiles on the faces of connections afterwards uh, it meant a lot to them yeah, for sure. Um, look, for me, this is what it's all about, you know, to be able to, um, you know, give people like Brian and, and his family, and as you say, Jim Jim McGrath, who's, you know, he's he's got a lot of respect in the industry in Australia and, and Europe, and uh, he's come back from, from Europe to spend a few months here, and he bred to Jumbuck, and uh, obviously supporting Brian and his business a lot, so... For me to be able to help help them a little bit and and give them a winner at Flemington is very special. And uh, this horse is the flag bearer for their stable, mm. and he's just doing a great job. And, and full credit to them. He's flying jump to Jumbo. Yeah. It was a, he had that race in his keeping about halfway through, I reckon, Blake. He did, mate. Yeah, look, he's he's a very good horse. He's a he's a type of horse that you know you you just. You can really rely on him. I, I feel that you sort of know what you're going to get with him. He, he turns up all the time. He's very tough and honest. And um, he just doesn't seem to let you down. And I, I love horses like that. And um, 
I think he's got more to offer. I think he's got, say, more points in hand, and I reckon he can win a nice race. Hey, Blake, you're in Hobart for the Hobart Cup meeting, and you uh, were also, and you're also riding at the uh, the big meeting at Launceston, the Launceston Cup meeting on Wednesday. I just want to ask you before we just quickly have a look look ahead to that. You saw the inevitable, uh, or just thinking about the All-Star Mole, you saw the, the reaction to the inevitable, the performance of the inevitable. He, he's down to run on Wednesday. I'm surprised about that, actually. I, I, I'm assuming he's not going to run on Wednesday. What have you made? What did, you're a big mainlander. What did you make of the inevitable down at Launceston? <laughs> well, he just, he was a class above them, but uh, just a great horse and great people's horse. And, yeah, everywhere he goes, whatever race he runs in, he'll be competitive, but it was pretty much a track gallop for him, so if he backs up, I don't... It'd be, it'd be just have a track gallop for money, I suppose, mm. but uh, you know, if he turns up in the All-Star Mile, you've got to, got to respect him because he's just a good honest good honest horse, and, and very good at that. Um, Spirit Ridge, you ran third in the um, Hobart Cup, and he's going to go around as top weight in the Launceston Cup, just a, a quick measure of confidence there. Certainly a winning chance. Uh, didn't have the best run in the uh, Hobart Cup when just got pushed wide at, at a wrong stage of the race. And I, I feel we can just have a bit better run in transit, a bit more economical run. Um, he's a slight clear at the 24, so we've got to have all the favours. But the winner's obviously the hardest to beat military mission, but there's a bit of a weight swing, and um, hopefully that's the telling factor on, on Wednesday. It could be a big week, Blake, because you're on Steel City in the Blue Diamond on mm. Saturday, and she's almost the X Factor filly we haven't seen in Melbourne. The blinkers go on. Have you done much with her? Galloped her a couple of times, and um, lovely filly. Uh, obviously, she's coming down from Sydney, but she's travelled down, no worries. I'm sure she's been back and forth under the Marusa system, but. Uh, I think she's got strong form lines behind Red Resistance, Learning to Fly. That stood up, and I, I think that's the pretty much the the ace two-year-old form at the moment. And, um, yeah, it comes down well. And, yeah, she presents to be a leading contender. And speaking of the All-Star Mile, we get to see Alligator Blood on Saturday. How is he going? Because there's been a, a few words in the media that he wasn't, quite fit enough for a first up tilt at the CFO. They poured a bit more work into him. Um, how do you think he's going? Well, I think he's going well. He, As you say, he wasn't quite fit enough at, 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 after the Geelong trial. Gay didn't go to the... Was it the oar, was it? The, yeah. The race at, yeah, the oar. Um, it's probably a good move. When, when trialled him at Flemington, that was the first time I got on him. And um, he beat Elliptical in the, in the trial... I thought elliptical trial particularly well. He's come out and won the other day. Um, there was improvement from the trial. And I, Alligator Blood's a racehorse, and, and Gay knows how to get the best out of him. So I feel that you know he's, he's going to turn up on, on Saturday and, and run a tremendous race. Could be intriguing because Mr. Brightside, um, also Gentleman Roy and Alligator Blood. So these sort of wait for age contests... We usually see them in recent times devoid of speed, but we've got some ready-made pacemakers in these races at the moment. It will be interesting, Gentleman Roy and Alligator, Alligator Blood. So uh, Tuvalu's there for yeah. the, in the mix as well. It, I, I suppose it might come down to barriers, but um, 
when you're on one of Gay Waterhouse and Adrian Botch, you know where they're going to be. So he'll be up in the firing line and toughen it out right to the end. Well done on Saturday, Blake, and good luck for this weekend as well. Thanks, guys. Cheers. She's going well at the moment, Blake, isn't he? Yeah. He's just riding brilliantly. Well, he's super elite global conversation jockey, isn't he, really? He'd be one of the top 15 jockeys in the world, I think, Blake. Drinking um, conversation last week, can't remember where I was listening to it, about Hong Kong jockeys or Australian jockeys going to Hong Kong, what it does to them, how they come back. Blake Shin's improved since he's been in Hong Kong. Yeah, no, no doubt. And I think, you know, a lot of them do, but... Something Shane Dye was talking about the other day. I don't necessarily agree. I think there's a bit of a myth about the the depth of ranks in Hong Kong. Maybe okay. over the years, uh, the, you know, it's been a bit of an epicenter. But when Shane Dye said only um, Bowman, he mentioned only McDonald and one or two others that would succeed in Hong Kong, and he might have mentioned Bowman's, Jamie Carr. Bowman's going all right at the moment. Bowman's flying. Yeah. I, I maintain that the jockey depth in Sydney and Melbourne individually is deeper than Hong Kong. So, yeah, I don't know about the, that sort of glittering sort of interpretation well, of the, the ranks there. Well, Damien Lane showed everyone again on Saturday um, why he's so good. And next week, he won't be at the Blue Diamond. He'll be riding over in the, the Saudi Cup. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, just just to wrap... from the Richie Robinson, the owner of the Inevitable. Just want to see if the horse is... Yes, he's going to run on Wednesday, the Inevitable. There you go. Awesome. <laughs> Very good. Um, well, because originally the thought was he wouldn't be, so... Well, okay, all right. Um, no, I just like the fact that um, you gave us the, the thrill of the opening. Just let me open that up and I'll let you know. As well. like you, the you, know I'm, you, know I'm, you know I'm theatrical. And the winner is. <laughs> um, elliptical, where have you got him in the Guineas um, pecking order? Oh, I thought he was right in it before Saturday. I, I thought he'd struggle to win the race from 13, given the way that the race was likely to pan out for him. So the fact that he's won, he's... He's exceeded what I thought he, he would do on Saturday. Yeah, I thought it was a massive chance in the Guineas prior to that. So We spoke to Chris Waller at the changing. conference on Thursday mm-hmm. about Ossipenko. Mm-hmm. And at that stage, he said, you know what? I might just enter him in both and it'll come down to barriers. If Ossipenko came to the Australian Guineas... Yeah, I think that's, it changes things up a bit. I think that Sydney form looks stronger at the moment. You know, you had Bello Bow over from Tassie, uh, who's a, a you know pretty good three-year-old over there. He's been beaten a length and a little bit so I'm just wondering whether the Victorian horses with you know elliptical first up things against him everything else he still managed to win that race I think it's a bit of a even group behind him Matty uh, I think after, in that race is it after cabin or after cabin after, after cabin after cabin was victim of it was a rotten watch after cabin oh. in the Osipenko race and um, Johnny O'Shea's horse ran really well Zoo Tiger ran really well as well it Seven out of ten times, the Sydney form tends to be better, that wave when it comes down. And not sure whether isolating the Tassie horse rubbishes or, you know, denigrates the form a little bit. He, I think he's a pretty good horse. Uh, okay, well, Maximilius has run third. Yeah. And yep. Holly Mans has run second, yep. beaten a quarter of a length, and it won a benchmark 64. Yeah, yeah. Prior yep. to that. No, you're probably right there. So, yeah, I think Osipenko would come down and... Do what the Waller three-year-olds tend to do when they drop in on Melbourne carnivals, you know? Well, uh, it's into Jackano, who is the horse that has the outstanding open-age, wait-for-age. He's got to run a big mile, It's into 280. Well, they're the two. Jackano and Elliptical, I think, are flying the flag very much for Victorians. Do you reckon Jackano will run a big mile at Flemington? I don't know if he will. 
Mm. Don't know if I want to say he won't. You know what no, I mean? Like I'll, be, I'll, be, I'll be against him. I'll be against Jack and O on the guineas. Uh, a couple more before we round out Flemington. We'll talk a little bit more about Sydney. Um, the There's no doubt it was the um, the emotional start to the day that I think a lot of people mm. had probably thought would be with the, the passing of our great mate Dino late on Thursday night. Uh, the flags were half-mast. The jockeys wore black armbands in race number three, and it was very fitting that his... His very good mate, John McNeil, won the first, and only naturally he was pretty emotional. It's been an emotional 48 hours for everyone in racing with the passing of Dean Lester, a man who had a, an amazing impact on your career in its formative years, and he's riding with you today. Yeah, that's exactly right. Nigel, no, um, I've got his initials embroidered on my, on my leggings. And um, he's, he's going to be riding with me in every race today. You've done him proud, Jai. Well done. Thank you. It was a beautiful moment. And I know you, you spoke to Jai um, with the team on cracking the codes uh, before uh, or after race 11 o'clock race day mornings on Saturday morning as well. So mm. he um, it was pretty strong. He had a lot of media to do that day talking about one of his best mates. Well, it's an insight into Jai as much as... Yeah. Well, it was a massively an insight into Dean, um, but also an insight into just what a... Just a lovely guy, John McNeil is, and it, it meant so much to lose such a, cr- a close confidant. And we've uh, a lot's been said about Dean in the last few days, and so it should be. And I think one of the things that we've, I'm so glad that we've been able to flesh out his life in the last few days mm. about he wasn't just the great tipster, he wasn't just the the great tipster who had a really difficult battle through life. He was also a great mate and confidant to people. He had a wicked sense of humour. He had these incredible outside interests that, you know, he was very difficult for him to fulfil, especially later in life. He loved going to concerts and theatre. And he, one thing that Cindy Alderson um, um, spoke about, and we'll, we'll, we'll shed some, we'll, we'll play the, the grab from Cindy, and it, it's actually, it was an interesting way Dean used others as conduits to, to give him um, stimulation, uh, visual stimulation and so on, and stories that uh, that he was unable to uh, do himself. He couldn't travel, for instance. I mean, it would have been would have broken Dean's heart that he couldn't have gone to Royal Ascot or Delmar or all these amazing things that he loved to have done. But through Cindy and others, he, uh, he was able to... Oh, well, we mentioned on a Saturday the, the movie Proof with Russell Crowe where um, uh, Hugo Weaving's character was blind. So everything that he was to feel came through Russell Crowe telling him and, and, and all this sort of stuff. So, Dean, did you, a lot of people, Cindy used to bring trinkets back from overseas trips and a few of us did as well. And then he loved f- detailed explanations of mm. things that others had encountered that he couldn't. Mm. So he was able to channel through other people a little bit. That, you, uh, I love that conversation you had with Cindy. I had a smile on my face just driving into Flemington listening to the way Cindy was talking about her time with Dean and... Um, the greyhound stories that they used to to have, and the, the 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 pets and everything, because as you said, it wasn't the listeners knew Dean through the tips, but we did get to find mm. a little bit more out about his life in recent times, and uh, we will do even more in the build up to the funeral on Friday. But here's a snippet of what Cindy had to say about a great mate, Dean Lester, and the relationship they had uh, along the lines of what Maddie was talking about on Saturday morning. Look out the window, and I, I was talking to Dean, and I said, oh. There's Ruby Rose with her girlfriend and they're, you know, having a, um, a passionate moment or something like that. And he said, well, take a photo for me. And that's kind of where it all started from. And um, so I, every time I saw something, I thought it would be, because obviously Brunswick, uh, Fitzroy and Brunswick Street especially was a pretty eclectic area. 
So whenever I thought there was something interesting, I'd, I'd take a picture for Dean. And I do remember, I, I didn't actually know the soap, but he I, he was a massive fan of Offspring. And is it Asha Ketty? I'm not sure of her name anyway, but I, I vaguely remember recognising yeah. this lady's face. And I thought, what are all these people doing? And they got cameras and whatever. Anyway, it dawned on me that it was Offspring. So I was trying to get video for, for Dean. And if anyone knows me, I'm a complete klutz with anything sort of media-wise. And um, I was trying to get this video for him of her up close and got in the middle of the shoot and got told off and chased away. And yeah, and, but I, mean, I think he just loved hearing those stories and, and, you know, feeling like he, like you said, he wasn't able to get out. And I hope I was able to give him a little bit of a taste of, of life in Fitzroy, which I know if Dean had been able to, he would have been there for sure. Well, and the other one that Cindy mentioned was that she was sitting there looking out the window and there was all these naked cyclists and she, the first thing she thought was, Dean needs to know about this. So, naked she, so there was a little video of these weird naked cyclists. There you go. It's... Cooking, they used to share a lot of six o'clock at night, they'd be ringing or texting, going through what each other was cooking and uh, how to add a bit of spice. And when Cindy would travel and she was doing something a bit active Dean had set out an exercise regime that she had to fulfil, all these sorts of things <laughs> And the Chairman Mao story about the, the Chairman cat Mao, the cat. And a lot of it um, I think what's quite haunting to a lot of us is right up until the very end we were having consistent light-hearted text messages with mm. Dean and you know, yeah. Uh, um, well done to the BRC too because they announced on Saturday that uh, they will have the Dean Lester Flemington Cup, which is raced uh, over 2,800 metres every July. And as Lee Jordan explained, it was only natural that they named that race in honour because it was because of Dean yeah. that that race came into being when he rang um, Lee Jordan a few years back and said, do you realise you don't have a race called the Flemington Cup? And it was because of that and the programming that Dean orchestrated and he, he was doing that a lot like mm. speaking to Greg Carpenter speaking to the racing administrators about saying I think there's a hole in the program mm. here I mm. think you could make things better if you do this this way try it this way and he was instrumental in Cranbourne getting their standalone Saturday Cranbourne mm. Cup as well yeah right um and and just the the breadth of his impact um Kevin Ring from Tassie's just told me that uh yesterday race two at Launceston they wore black armbands to honor Dean Lester in a race at Launceston on a Sunday so just walking around like we had a uh, Michael and I were at a function, the Love Letter to Racing on on Saturday, but sort of in there, and then also a couple of races spent in the members prior to leaving. I reckon four or five times somebody came up to me and said, "Oh, it's, isn't it sad? You know, I never knew Dean, but I feel like I did because I listened to his voice so often." And it's, a, it's funny in that that radio that medium, you hear somebody's voice, mm. hear the conversations they have, you get an insight into their personality, and you have that connection without ever meeting somebody. And in this industry where people love to share wins and losses and near misses and everything else, I think he played such a, a role in, in the listeners' lives. And they well, were, so many people were touched. Yeah, exactly. And look, it's, it's sort of so minor when it comes to the context of someone who has died. I mean, it's, it's a very major event, as we all know, without understating it. But in a minor sense, too, is um, the, 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 the chasm that's been left in horse racing with, with Dean no longer there. Like, well, the jockeys, for instance, mm. listen to John McNeil, like, it is a, it's a solo pursuit. Mm. And guys like James Winks and whatnot have, have addressed that in a way by putting, toward, mm. uh, putting these mentorship coaching groups together, whatever you want to call it. But 
Dean acted as a coach and a mentor for mm. people like Jai and a number of other young men and women who are making their way in the sport, whether they're jockeys or trainers, whatever. So when that person goes, there is a void there. Mm. And you're back to being on your own. And I mm. remember speaking to Jai after his Melbourne Cup win in the aftermath, a couple of months after, reflecting back on it. And I asked him about, you know, he referenced his team. And he said, well, Dean sort of had a conversation with me and said, if you want to take the next step, you really have to think about the support network you can build around yourself. And even that aspect of yeah. getting sports people to think differently about what they're doing, change it up, and getting a, an all-time result on winning a Melbourne Cup. Like, Absolutely. Incredible. And, and what the, the, you know what was at the heart and soul of Dean? And I think we were doing an interview in, with him quite recently where we were talking about Fluffy and the horse of the bush. He was very grassroots. He mm. was very grassroots. I know he was in the Manning Art for Melbourne Cups and John McNeil and all that, but Dean very much understood um, the the whole spectrum of the sport and how important the the little guy was and mm. the little horse and all that sort of stuff. So mm. he 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 wasn't top end of town at all. No. He was actually um, much more the other way, really, when you think about it. So yeah, no, he's, I think we're all still numb, very numb. Yeah, um, don't know how to process it properly, and uh, yeah, it's. Terrible time. Well, just as, as what you were saying, Sharky, even when we spoke to Peter Moody last Friday yes. in the lead-up to I Wish I Win, and uh, he, he said, look, he didn't have a, a close personal relationship with Dino, obviously, professionally, and he said, well, I Wish I Win's a perfect case in point. He said, when I was thinking maybe a tilt at the new market with his horse, he said, I actually just rang Dean and, and ran it by him to see mm. what his thoughts were. Mm. So many trainers mm. would do that mm -hmm. um, as well. So um, Dean's funeral will be held at Cranbourne on Friday at 1 o'clock, and, of course, it will be covered here on RSN. Uh, there will be a lot of people in attendance. And for you uh, at home who were Dino's um, biggest fans and the people that Dino loved giving uh, tips and winners to and information to the most, if you can't make it, it will be um, uh, broadcast here on RSN as well. So we'll give you more details throughout the week on Dean Lester's farewell, which will be a very, very big moment. There's no doubt about that. It is 20 minutes to 10 o'clock. We'll take a break. Keep those SMSs coming. Plenty more to come after this. To the verdict. We touched on it briefly uh, about the Hobartville on Saturday. Osipenko getting up just to beat Zoo Tiger. Half cabin, a $1.60 favourite getting rolled. Sharky, what were your thoughts? It was a horrible watch if you wanted to take the dollar forty or dollar fifty that half cabin started at. What did you make of his run overall? His run was good. He stepped slow. Well, I think we've seen him begin like that uh, mm. ever. Well, not that I could remember anyway, but the first thing you notice is, oh, he's he's missed the start here. And then drawing wide, uh, the the want of Tim Clark to flow forward and be in a handy position, the horse kind of took himself there in a way. He, excel he did accelerate and pick up. So Tim was entitled, I think, to to go forward with the horse. But then he just one of those situations, whether it's half cabin at a dollar sixty or bingo boy at, you know, nine dollars at Canterbury on a Friday night, he just couldn't get in. There was there was should nowhere have, for him to slot have, in. Should he have just rode him a little bit more conservatively and just said, you know what, I'm three wide, I'm three wide, let's just get in a rhythm and keep going or keep press, press, press like he did. Maybe. I don't know if he was pressing to try and end up in that position or force a, a pace or be outside the leader. I think he just let the horse sort of keep sliding to try and get into a spot, and that's, that's just where he ended up. Because it was a perfect ride on Zoo Tiger. If you were 
um, on the second favourite, and you could see the third favourite sitting to your outside. You're going to slide forward and say you're not. You're going to work to get in here. Yeah, and look, it was. I guess when you look at the winner Osipenko, who was backed to beat half cabin first up in the Eskimo Prince, but he was slow away. He got a long way back. He was just basically asleep at the back of the field, and and I think Natural Wheeler actually said in the post race comments. After the Eskimo Prince, he was really concerned about Osipenko because he'd been showing them so much more in trials and he was just kind of there in the Eskimo Prince. He didn't really smack the line. Uh, but he was on the job Saturday. He began inside gate, put himself into the race early. Nash was in a great spot from the outset uh, and he was able to quicken up inside. And, and when the race through Tiger was great, Machilade was great. Williamsburg was a really good run. You know, that horse, when he gets to a mile, I don't think he's out of play in a Randwick Guineas or a, or a Rose Hill Guineas as he gets out to that uh, that 2,000 metre mark. And Preble said Brosnan needs to be two pounds lighter. He's a really good horse. So. That's a great point. You know, he probably <laughs> he's probably not going to make it as a stallion at this point, given he's won one race out of 10. But as a gelded horse, he might be something else. The one that I was really disappointed in was Pierre. He just looked out of place. And his New Zealand form We should have asked Ozzy. strong. Think about it. Yeah. Uh, it was really strong. And I actually thought... He was a, a good each-way chance to be in the finish there on Saturday. Really liked his run to Maven Bell, but he was just, just, you know. Yeah. Pens through him until he, he, he really turns that around. Does he need, he, a, does he he need two, even 2,000 metres or, oh, for, or, you know, further? Well, on his form, I wouldn't, have, I wouldn't have said that going into the race. His New Zealand guineas win, and the form was right. You know, he beat Prowess. The Maven Bell form was, was good. Everything on paper said he would run a lot better than being beaten four and a half lengths, eighth, without ever giving a yelp. I just thought Clark had a very quick decision to make on aft, ca- aft cabin and he yeah. made it. But you knew at the 600 metre mark that he was cooked. You just thought, no, nah, you've just, you just been, you too, disru- keep going. You're been yeah. too disrupted. So How tough will that be to get him back for the Randwick Guineas? Know, might, sometimes might the they run love that throws those, forward off that. Knee. Sometimes trainers yeah. love that sort of run to, to brush the cobwebs off. So... I love that horse, Communist. What a weird name for a horse, Communist. Mm. What do we call him? Up the Revolution, brother. Um, But if you like Ozapenko for the whatever guineas is coming up, and this is the problem with the clash of the two guineas races, is which ones are he going to be in? You know, and which one's Zoo Tiger going to be in? Are they going to be at Ramwick or Flemington? I think you'd probably still be banking on the fact that the, the... the guineas in their backyards, most likely, don't you think, Shark? But that's well, one of particularly the particularly now that he's won that Hobartville. And, and everyone who says, "Oh, it's great that we've got split divisions," and that, I it's mean, not that's great. It's ridiculous, you know. It's Come not on. great. Come on, we want Zoo Tiger Osipenko to clash with the Melbourne form. with Jack and, we and we want Jack and Owen Elliptical yeah. to go up there a fortnight yeah. later and run yeah. in the Randwick Guineas and have a return bout. I tell you what was we are going to talk a bit about the conference last week, but one of the little interesting things that came out of it, I can't remember which guest it was who mentioned it, was the impact that it has on the breeding world of when you don't have best against best, mm. when you have compromised, you'd know about this, Shark, when you have compromised winners of, in inverted commas, big group one races, without them, like the thing that would sort out that the best cult to go to stud, you know, the, the 1,200 metre mile range would be whatever wins the guineas race if there's one of them and they're all clashing in the one race. Yeah, but it's a grand So final. you're getting these half-compromised group one winners with silly price tags and, uh, you know, glossy, glossy brochures and so on who, who are going to stud. And, and I think it's coming through to... It was mentioned at the conference last week. It's compromising the quality... Well, uh, our man in Hong Kong mentioned it. 
Winfred, Engelbert Breeches, um, that it it parlays down to the wrong, the, the insufficiently proven good horses going to stud because they're winning Group Ones when the, half their mates aren't there. So, do you think we've got too many? Take the Guineas as a perfect example. We've got the Caulfield Guineas, Group One in the spring. Australian Guineas, Group One in the autumn. Randwick Guineas, Group. We've got three, three same races. They are the same races. Randwick Guineas, yep. Australian Guineas, Corfu Guineas, they are the same race. Why do we need three Group 1, three-year-old, mile Guineas? Why, why do we need it? No, exactly right. So the, 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 rest, breeders. the rest of the world... But these races have existed. <laughs> the, these races have existed. Where, where's the point where you rationalise your Group 1 races? That, you know what? We've got a triple up. Not just... I don't mind one in the spring and one in the autumn, right? That kind of makes... So who's going kind to... Kind of makes sense, but... Which racing, authority, which racing authority is going to say, hey, you know what? And this is Take the point. It. We don't, we don't, we don't want this group one Because race. Take racing, away. Australian racing, is not organised by anybody. It's just a... That was another, another issue last week. But We will talk more about some of those issues at the uh, uh, racing conference after 10 o'clock. We've got some grabs to play there as well. A couple of SMSs coming uh, uh, here. Hey, boys, what do you make of Graham Beck's two-year-old winner at Flemington really on good. Saturday? Um, VRC size produce, please. It looks strong, didn't it? Yeah, really nice horse. Uh, it brought his it, trial form to the races, yeah. and yeah, it was great. And I thought Anna Visto was outstanding. Oh she my was, god, she was super. She was, she's, she was fantastic. Mm. Can she win a Group One? Um, oh bloody oath, she can. <laughs> Absolutely, she can. She can win any fillies and mares Group One run in the next three months against all the best mares. Now at the races for her, the cool Sangster. Or the Sang- what about the Coolmore in Sydney? Oh, maybe yeah. She does like getting do a, a toe in. Do a Typhoon yeah. Tracy. Does like getting a toe in. Do a Typhoon Tracy with Jay Carr on board and lead all the way mm. and win. Yeah, fair enough. I noticed. I don't know whether it was because we're on a a firmish track, not too firm, but it was a good day, good racing. Gee, the speed was good on Saturday. Sometimes we can see these races where they are pretty pedestrian. They were all run really fast on Saturday, or it yeah. appeared to be that there was no excuses. And those up on speed were holding on just as well as um, those coming from behind. Well, yeah, they were running fast track times. They were. They were quick ground times. Anavisto ran 121.59, which comes with the asterisk of it was fast ground by, yeah. by, by sort of our modern standards. So, Scalapini you know. just kept running. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah Scalapini was so well rated in front, again, from a wide gate. Damien Lane just took him there, got him in a happy place. He had a good horse's handicap in that race and proved to be a good horse, didn't he, Scalapini? We were talking on Saturday after the race, Sharky. Is there a concern when we've got a a horse like uh, Wallumby who is coming through restricted benchmark races in Sydney, comes down and beats the uh, Group 3 Phillies here in Melbourne in the vanity? Maybe, but a listed or a Group 3 race should be a race for that progressive style of horse. I don't think there was a horse in that race that you'd beat your chest and say it's a Group 1 animal. Like it, There just wasn't any in the race. Like, See You in Heaven's a handy horse, that listed Group 3 class. Uh, Papillon Club, you could say similar, emerging, a couple of good uh, Metro midweek wins up to this grade. Yep, round the mark. Uh, Nunthorpe, I thought, ran really well in that race. For um, more ground, she yeah. needs more ground now. Sixteen to two thousand. I think that's what Moods has been saying all the way along. The disappointment for me in the race was probably uh, climbing star. That's two yep. below par runs from her now. 
Uh, Queen Air, I also thought she might hit the line a bit better than she did. Yeah, I wouldn't drop off her just yet. Probably probably looking towards yeah. those longer races Zenzella? Now. I don't know. Um, yeah, even Presenia March, I thought she was a better horse than... I expected more of her than what I saw on Saturday. I reckon you'll find that the... And again, I think the track was absolutely perfect, but you might find that a few horses that disappointed probably have a similar theme. You're close to the Bankmore crew. I was bitterly disappointed with the Bankmore on Saturday. So that was the, the genuine... Yep. Don't give up on it for a Guineas is what you're saying? Well, who's to say they won't get the same sort of conditions in the Guineas summer? It is is a warm summer. But so... you've got to keep progressing that way just in case you don't. Yeah. You know, if yep, you get that yep. little bit of rain, bit yeah. of give, like he's, well, he's, he's Mor- in that he's race. He's Morris. He's, he's running over 1,400. I think he might be a big, bold 1,600 to 2,000-metre sort of horse, you know? Daniel yeah. O'Sullivan sent through a teaser twee, uh, tweet. Oh. Anna Visto, uh, the fourth highest rated filly or mare this season. That's how big she ran. Cool and Gatter's 102.5 was better than her 101.8 win in the Moya. And Cylinder put himself right in the slipper picture. And yes, he, Cylinder. He, he'll put more, uh, flesh that out on .com later. Cylinder was very good. Coming back from a broken jaw. Broken it's jaw. It's a two-year-old. Yeah, Cylinder, its last start when it ran second to, um, uh, what's the Hayes runner in the two-year-old, the the uh, bros? Um, Speaking of offending horses, he didn't say something to another yeah, horse in yeah, the stripping sheds later on. He you should just, see the other horse. Yeah, yeah. yeah well. <laughs> lost its teeth. It was like Matty as a 16-year-old at the Blue Light Disco. Lost its teeth and <laughs> broke its jaw. The other horse got two, two black eyes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Uh, here's a, a few SMSs. Plenty of time to clash later. Read two guineas on one day. Would be nice to separate if they can. Agree. That's from Dave. And another one here. Logically, how can you have two group ones for three-year-olds, same distance, on the yes. exact same yes. day? Yes. What are, you know, we've just what is the rest of the world saying about this sort of programming? You know, we 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 are pondering the timing of it, let alone the fact we have three of the same races in one calendar year. What does what does the outlooking in say about? Well, that? I think it's just, out, it looks so outlooking in look, simplifies the whole thing and says, "Isn't sport about best versus best? Whether it's the under twelves running around a footy oval at Little Athletics or something? How many chances like, do you get to be the best? No, like, if you yeah. win the Guineas every year, yeah. like in the UK, there's one Guineas, yeah. not forty eight Guineas. Yeah. Breeders, the Cup, Breeders' Cup, best versus yeah. best. You know, like Royal Ascot, best versus best. Every race, best versus best. So. The idea, tennis, cricket, golf, US Open, they're all there. Like the, Isn't the starting point best versus best and then you work your way down from mm. there? Isn't it, it is, isn't but it? you're getting Rebel Tours like Liv. You're getting um, other uh, Rebel events. Rebel Racing Tour. Which are, is that what you're well, but that's, that's mm. what the essence of this is. It's mm. a disruptor to try and get eyeballs, get the horses and get the turnover. That's what's occurring. Um, and unfortunately, the world we live in, it's just got to be something that we've got to get used to. The only, or, or, only or, ones, or, or react so strongly that you challenge it. Yeah, but so the, un, the only ones that are complaining are people like you and me, Manny, who want to see the best of the best, the punters or the racing fans. Because if you're an owner, you're not complaining. If you're a trainer, you're but not who's the bigger demographic? If you're a jockey, the, the fans you're not or the owners and jockeys and stuff. The, the biggest demographic is the fans. Yeah, but they not don't the, not get, the participants. They don't get listened to as mm. much. Well, do they? Well, voice. they're jumping up and down. That's the biggest problem in racing: is the participants seem to be regarded as the racing community. They're not. They're a they're the, they're a section of it. The racing community is the people out the window there. So. They are, and they are millions of people, not... <laughs> well, it'll be interesting to see what the turnover is, and it was interesting to see the turnover on Saturday. 
um, Sharky. We were having a look at these because it was the, the highly um, advertised world pool. And just to give you some context, the turnover on the meeting on Saturday was thir- was 46.9 million Australian dollar, uh, mm-hmm. dollars. Now, what does that mean? The same meeting last year, the turnover was 10 million. So it was almost a five-fold increase in turnover because of the Hong Kong pool, which was now betting on this Flemington meeting Huge. as well. And, I mean, we were we were having a look at some of the, the dividends. There were some strange dividends. There were, weren't there? A, a couple of favourites paid very short compared to yes. the other interstate pools yes. where you can see the Hong Kong money has obviously honed in. I think Mahabra might Mahabra have been one was, of those. It was, what, what, were the ju- what were the Jewettes paying? No, the Jewettes were very popular. Well, the Jewettes are massive in Hong Kong. Somebody said so. there, was a, there were million-dollar yeah, Jewettes. the well, biggest bet in Hong Kong. The, like, oh, mate, Nick Quinn, he's finally but, justified. But well, one thing I'll, that, I'll give you some stats. Yeah. The, the Black Caviar Lightning Stakes, the wind pool was over $1.5 The Jewett was $1.5 million. <laughs> For the black caviar. In race nine, the duet pool was $2 million. Uh, compared to race nine at Sandown the week before, the duet pool was $4,000. I'm not um, saying that it's a bit of a false uh, kind of wow thing, but for the average punter uh, having an average bet on an average day on the gallops, how does the whirlpool advantage them? Well, the theory is that it will be Bigger pools, which means you're not going to get as stark fluctuations. No, but but for the average punter who's used to betting into a hundred thousand dollar pool as opposed to a two million dollar pool, they're still getting consistent dividends anyway, aren't they? The theory is that it's not going to fluctuate as much the bigger the pool. No, I know, but that's, I'm not the expert. Yeah, here. I'm telling yeah. you what the theory is. No, I know exactly what the theory is, but I'm just thinking. And the other factor is that it is a lot more money, which will be coming. Does the into average the punter walk into the pub tab on a Saturday and say, "Oh, I'm going to have a better day because I'm betting into the world pool"? Yeah, I understand. What I, you're I, don't, yeah. I don't think any plays in anyone's mind. No, exactly. That's what I'm sort of but, saying. But <laughs> what it does do is it gives a lot more money to the VRC. It gives yeah. a lot more money to Racing Victoria. Um, so yeah, I, I think. Well, that's the advantage then. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So we've got to the point. Mm, he's a bit nuts. No, no. Today. I'm just saying. I just. Did, I, did I was hearing all of, this stuff. Did you about, get out of bed on the No, I was just side. hearing all the stuff about the world pool. <laughs> just because you lost your wallet, you're uh-huh. a, you're an angry no, man. No, I'm not. I'm just. I think it's should great if, out, if people get genuine. If this is an is income in stream the advantage. I was going to say, should we put out an SOS <laughs> for the v, for the industry? I think that's great because I don't think the average punter is in any way affected by this. If anyone has seen a, um, what kind of wallet do you have? Am I right or wrong? Does the average punter... Oh, I'm just thinking it's great because there's income streams, but I'm just thinking for the average punter, I'm not sure it have, their, their life has changed. Well, what we need to do is get the experts on to say, are you more likely to get a bigger dividend with these bigger pools well, the or first a lower dividend? Well, I just can't see... When you're betting into a $100,000 pool, I think you've got an established pool that a million-dollar pool is not going to change much. Mm-hmm. Andrew, Matt Stewart's the Andrew Bolt of racing. What does that mean? Are you a mate oh, of Andrew Bolt? Oh, gee, that's, ooh, that's, that's, a, that's a, as bad a rap as I've had. <laughs> that's a deep that's a, At least I'm not the Rita Panahai of uh, the world pool. Oh. Yeah, the world pool operates on 106% takeout, then 114 if I'm not mistaken. I'll stand correct on that, which would mean then that the punters are actually getting more bang for their buck because okay. there is less tax taken out. Just on that, interesting article, which I'll get to after 10 o'clock. Um, re, what could be occurring, re-increased... 
um, tax takeouts with in regards to the Victorian licence, which is under review. Uh, we'll take a break. 10 o'clock update. More to come on The Verdict, including a look back on the Asian Racing Conference. To The Verdict. Great to have your company. Um, last week, Maddie, we were out there and Shark, you were on Friday as well because we had the Asian Racing Conference here in Melbourne, which, by the look of it, would have done a lot of... Um, extra business for Melbourne's uh, pubs, bars, hospitalities because so. there were a lot of social events lot that went on people. Uh, with it as well. Um, and there was some discussions during the day as <laughs> well. Uh, a lot of varied and interesting um, conferences. I didn't get to go inside many of them. We were on air while we were broadcasting out there, but it was interesting to speak to a lot of the people that were involved, Matty. And one of the most fascinating interviews we had was with Chris Waller after he had his keynote interview up there and we we were talking about the future of racing how it's perceived and it was specifically talking about the whip and chris waller basically gave a very candid and open view which i haven't really heard chris waller talk about about where he sees the social license of racing at the moment and he brought it back to his own family as well and and where the whip and racing may sit in the overall scheme 10 years ago someone would have said to me Oh, we should stop the whip, or there'll be no whip one day. I like everybody, or 90% of people said, Oh, you're joking. Yes, I could see it'll be restricted, but you can see now that it is going to happen. Things will change. Well, now I've got a young daughter, she's 10 years old, loves horses, and I imagine most girls get like yep. horses. Um, I'm waiting for her to say, Dad, how come jockeys whip horses? Um, how come that horse didn't make it home? Mm. Like, these are things mm. that are going to get asked, mm. and my daughter will probably be fine, but her friends won't be yeah. if we aren't mm. socially acceptable. Do you remember Lindsay Smith said some very similar comments about when his daughter was helping out at the stables and then what her friends were thinking? And I think that's the, that's the crux of it in a way. All around the world, we heard uh, Julie Harrington from the BHA spoke to us about the common issues that racing's got about... Um, uh, the relationship with the outside world and the general public and, uh, you know, the, the issue with wagering and so on. And, and I think that's what Chris Waller was sort of homing in on is all these swirling things that go on that, that people sort of – that detaches people from horse racing and, and how we go about um, bringing them closer. Um, and what he said was the same as Lindsay Smith was – once they come in the bubble and experience the the daily life and the horses and the welfare and that, then they understand it better. But there's you know still lo lots of challenges when it comes to uh, Julie Harrington was fantastic. You know the, the things that everyone has problems with. How do we get a crowd on track? How do we eliminate cost? Uh, um, uh, even down to clothing and things like that. What, what does it mean? You know, what, what are the disincentives for people to have a day at the races? So, Well, let's have a, a, a snippet from Julie because she's the boss of the, the British Horse Racing Authority, was out here during the conference, and this is what she had to say about the biggest issue racing over there is facing. So I think we need to get this Gambling Act published because... Um, the, the wagering money is the is the lifeblood of our sport and and funds three quarters of of the prize money um, and you know it's been like the sword of Damocles hanging over mm. the sport for the last couple of years um, so I, I would say that's top of our to do list. So for the 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 British over there, welfare, but they're in a a more precarious position from a gambling point of view because of. You, you were talking about it. There's going to be probity checks on, on general punters. And we know that they race for ribbons over there. They don't have the, the 
gambling dollar input into their industry that we have. So if that's further strangled by that, for them, it could be a disastrous outcome. But it also tells the story of um, the outside world increasingly dim view of gambling in general and gambling advertising and uh, and all that. And racing's got a really delicate tightrope to walk because it fuels the whole industry. But but the whether whether the messaging has to be adjusted to sort of um, shift the focus away from all of that. And we know what happened in New South Wales with the the, the gambling crackdown reform on pokies and things like that. So. I think everyone at the moment's feeling the heat from the outside world regarding the thing that fuels our sport, and how do we how do we walk the fine line to to um, uh, to, to to grapple with that, and how to sell the best stories? Just on that world pool, obviously the um, the main thing is to um, boost the paramutual against the the fixed odds, and the fixed odds being the staple of the, the corporates. So, obviously, one of the big pluses for the world pool is shark is obviously to strengthen the waning paramutual, isn't it, against the corporates? Yeah, and to bring the focus back to basically tote markets and and bolster those markets against fixed odds markets, which uh, certain demographics, punting demographics, have been nurtured to punt in. That's just C number, early market, all that sort of stuff. Whereas, you know, I think the, the world pool, uh, the big sell, as you say, is to is to bring back the focus to race day betting on that tote pool that with bigger pools, stronger stronger markets to play in. Yeah, and there's, there's a few SMSs. Big punters can make big bets confident that the dividend will not vary much. Another one saying larger punter pools are better. Uh, it's so annoying that larger bets probably by owners or professional punters are placed at the last minute, causing huge last-minute fluctuations. A horse paying seven fifty could drop to four dollars fifty. It works both ways. However, for me, um, less fluctuations is better. There's a couple other things. Jeff Kennett got up there last week and said, "What was said there? Well, what was you know? He said racing needs a day off. Well, racing's tried the day off. I mean, bringing something as basically unresearched as that. It's like you know, like for was mental that all health he said? and so on. No, well, we weren't in there, so we were sort of feeding off a bit of." Snippets and so on, but that was what was reported that he suggested that. Well, Jeff, it um, seemed to be. It seemed to be. Jeff says, and I'm going off the article that I read on dot com. I didn't hear what he said, but it seemed to be. Jeff says we need a day off. Oh, but look, we've done this, this, and this, and this as an industry. Well, I think probably the content. I'd love to hear if there's any way to hear record. I assume they recorded the the uh, contributors. I, I, I but, don't think they did. I don't think they did. Oh. I'm not sure. No, to it was be just reported. Anyway, by I would have thought Jeff's line is usually around mental health and participant mm. well-being. Well, that, and all that's that sort where of stuff. it comes from. That you know, beyond blue. Yeah. I, I think that is definitely a, an aspect of the industry that we need to but be focusing day, on and the, doing more on. Now, I know our business I'd... is looking at doing well-being programs for, and we've got thirty staff, but we're looking at well-being programs because we can see that staff in this industry, in our experience, in in our region. Uh, struggling from time to time. But we've, but the day off experiment um, was rejected. You know, like we've tried it. We've been down that road. We know where that road takes us. It doesn't take us anywhere, really. So, so what's the answer? Because uh, well-being, mental and physical well-being of staff. Well, it's is certainly not still... as simple as taking a day off. No. Well, well, the 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 day off needs to occur within each business, and it days off as what a normal working week is, and. Ideally, you want people to have consecutive days off. Now, it can be difficult in stables where there is a lack of staff yeah. to be able to facilitate that, but problem. that's where the emphasis should be. Not so much whether you're actually racing on a day or having a full race day off because 
um, trainers and jockeys can decide where they want to ride or run their horses there, but the stable staff don't mm. really get that say. And horses need to be fed, they need to be worked, they need to be walked, whether you're racing or not, every well, single day. The, I, I didn't see any reports that address the biggest problem in world racing is staff crisis. Mm. The, I don't, don't, I didn't read it, I, unless I missed it, I didn't see any any strong reporting about what we do as a global community to, to try and, uh, you know, the 457 visa issue we've had here. I know there's been applications to the federal government to try and work on that. I I think that was probably, unless I completely missed it, um, I didn't see much about the, you know, the staff crisis. Peter Moody had an interesting comment on Saturday. Um, I had him in the committee room. And you know, Peter Moody, being Peter Moody, said, I'm going to take this opportunity to... Um, to rattle a few cages and um, shoot a uh, fire a shot over the bow here, and he he went on to say that there should be more public advertising to promote. We've got the lightning stakes on that day. He said, "I didn't see any billboards on the highway. Why don't we have billboards That's promoting the fact of today?" But then he went on to say, "Why aren't we recruiting those people who teach our kids, the primary school teachers, the educators of?" Um, kindergartens and saying, here, have free tickets. Come to the races, come to the races, come and see what this sport is so good and what it's about. Because they're the ones that are teaching our kids. They're the ones that might be able to talk to them about things during a school day where it may not be in the the syllabus, but when a Melbourne Cup comes around, some say, hey, yeah, I love the races, well, we go there. He said, we should be trying to recruit the people that are teaching the next generation of fans that we want to have and get them immersed in racing if they're not already there. Well, the problem with that is that racing's got a scorched relationship with primary schools. We've uh, uh, Giles Thompson mentioned the wokeism. We don't even bother selling to the schools anymore because of the... That, but that's, to me, when I get a bit disappointed with um, some of the focuses of um, the uh, the industry, uh, like as in focusing on dress attire and moving big races and so on, the really difficult things are re-engaging at that level. Giles Thompson said, we gave up. There, isn't, there aren't many schools out there at the moment, primary schools, that will give horse racing a mm. second's thought. So... It's a very difficult pitch, but all you've got to do is keep trying and, and keep selling the virtues at that level. And I've told you examples of the, 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 the ex-principal of um, um, Spotswood Primary who they had Melbourne Cup Day and all the kids would dress up, 3,000 people would turn up and they'd have all sorts of things, sausage sizzle fashions on the field. Um, and then within a, a month of his retirement, um, the in inverted commas, the wokeism or whatever you want to call it, they don't do it anymore. So... It's all very well for Moods to say that, but Moods, um, try doing it and so try seeing how difficult it is now compared to how how less difficult it would have been 10 and 20 years ago. So what do you think the answer is then? To, to reach trying. out to those younger people. So there's what no more, direction? There's how no do you... more Chris Simons doing it off his own bat. There's no more what Sub-Zero. Is, what's Chris Simons up to now? Because there is a person who understood... He's got the funky farm. He understood that divide. He understands Shouldn't animals. Shouldn't be up to individuals though, but, should No, it? no, but he understands... He, I think Chris Simon's got a lot more to offer the industry than people give him credit for. And what he does understand is how animals can impact lives. And you can see that with his funky farm. Surely he has some knowledge that could be useful for applying how we can bring horses well, better, how we can bring them back if you, into the day-to-day. If you... It gets me really annoyed. If you go back five or six years and you do a little riverboat trip for kids to the Flemington, you get them to talk to the apprentice jockeys and ride the mechanical horse and visit stables, all those sorts of grassroots things and put them on buses and go and see the little foals in the paddocks, they're the things that 
that's where the journey begins for a lot of people. But that idea has been hanging in the air now for six or seven years. It has. And, I mean, what you say is correct, Matty, because I remember when we'd go to school, if, if we were at school on a, on a Melbourne Cup day, everyone would be dressed up in the colours. They would be running um, snail races like Melbourne Cup races, but it just doesn't happen in the schools these days because it's not considered socially acceptable at that level to have children uh, introduced to it. Just a quick one mm. I wanted to touch on here. There's an article in the paper today just on the... Uh, upcoming wagering, we've been talking about that, saying that it's expected that there will be an increase in the point of consumption tax from the Victorian government as part of this new um, licence negotiation. It's believed industry sources say that Victoria will bring its system into line with New South Wales, which uh, is currently a 15% uh, point of consumption tax. Victoria is currently 10%, and we know Queensland is 20%. Uh, several sources say a Victorian uh, increase is almost inevitable given the likely fall in the state's next wagering licence fee, which is currently out to market. Um, it goes on to say uh, the Andrews government opened a competitive process in 2021 with the potential for multiple licence holders for a period of up to 20 years. Um, there is a dispute apparently, which is now... Um, going on because Tabcorp believe that their customer database is its own um, and the government and those in charge may not believe that. A financial report speculated Tabcorp would be expected to pay $500 million for the new 20-year licence um, with the assumption the POC rises to 20%. Um, considering they only paid 410 for the license in 2012 that's not much of an increase mm. so this could be a little bit of a background insight mm. into why the reluctance was to go big and move a cox plate shift the entire spring carnival if the money that they are likely as in racing victoria to receive in the new betting license is not as big as what they had thought and maybe with people bidding mm. for this process, they want to have the security that the carnival is going to remain fairly similar while this bidding process is undertaken. Well, the story says about two hundred million a year goes to the three codes through that license sort of arrangement. So, and I think I, I actually think you're probably right in that one of the motivations to dramatically change things in to try with the clock ticking to, to generate more income for. Uh, big ideas like the moving of the Cox Plate is with this in mind. It's with the in mind that there's going to be a hole to fill and can we mm. fill it? And if we keep going the way we're going, we may not be able to fill it. But, yeah, I, I look, I'm not... I don't really understand a lot of this stuff, to be honest, but I do understand that there's a bit of fear that the income stream is going to be uh, less and then that, that might explain why some ideas have been, some urgently radical ideas have popped up. Spoke to Brian Kruger last week and we are expecting a announcement to formalise um, the decision read the Spring Carnival, what likely movements, any races, if any. Um, so we should get some word on that this week as well. And uh, I think there are, there are moves, but we've just got to work out what they are now. Yeah, yeah but it, it seems a fait accompli won't be the Cox Plate. Um, 11 o'clock this morning, Magic Millions Tasmanian Yearling Sale. You can listen to it on Carnival 2. We'll be down there for Launceston Cup on oh. Wednesday. Looking forward to that. And we're going to have boys. a chat to your uncle down there, Sharky. Are you? Well, he's sponsoring just about everything. So yeah, you might as well. He'd probably sponsor you boys for lunch or dinner if you play your cards right. All right, Kev. We're coming down. I saw him at Hobart. He was—he is Mr. Everything. He was being fated and interviewed pre-race without your uncle. 
He loves it too. Yeah, that's what he does. He does enjoy <laughs> it. He loves uh, the attention. Hey boys, uh, have a good it. one, Sharky. I'll see yes. you on Friday. See you Friday, Maddie. Uh, we will see you up on the Big V a yes, little later as well. Absolutely.